With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And here we are, another edition of the HOL podcast. Hi, Sean Callahan here as setting the scene for our eighth show of the podcast. You can now catch us both on 93.7, the ticket in Lincoln. They air the podcast Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. and also 1340 KHUB and Fremont. But as we start here, our podcast today, we're going to lead off. There's a really, really big football camp that we put on with Rivals.com that will be taking place this weekend in St. Louis. Uh, Sean Callahan, myself, I'll be there. Uh, Greg Peterson, Nate Klaus, uh, the entire HOL staff will be there. And and this has really turned into uh, one of the bigger camps for the local area prospects. Um, Last year, the camp was in Chicago. The year before that, it was in St. Louis. And I'm going to bring in Nate Klaus here as as we start the show as we kind of just set the scene for for what this camp means, Nate, and, and how big it's really become for a lot of local guys, particularly from this area. Well, really, it's, I mean, it's a collection of about 150 of the top, you know, uh, prospects within the region, and and it's a great opportunity for them to go and compete against one another. You know, they're doing one-on-one competitions, uh, and and it's really, um, you know, there's so much exposure that can come out of this camp, and uh, especially for the in-state kids, you know, I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of in-state guys get kind of... uh, um, get, they get kind of overlooked a, a little bit, and uh, may, they may be, you know, discounted, um, you know, off the top of the of the process just because they come from Nebraska. Uh, some may question the competition that they see on a on a daily basis, but when you go down to these camps, you know, you're you're playing against the best of the best, and uh, it's an opportunity for you to to really show, you know, what you're made of, and um, you know, it's it's a lot of fun to see these guys go out and compete. And we've seen a number of guys make their names in, in this event just in two years having it and uh, that's why a lot of kids want to go I mean, we, we have a hard time I know when we do our in-state tour we go around the state and we, we meet with coaches and players and this year we were a little bit limited on what we could get invited uh, we'll have anywhere I think 12 to 14 I think 13 Nebraska kids will be there uh, with three of them being younger and then 10 of them being in the uh, 2016 class so there'll be a good representation of Nebraska kids there we'd like to always get about 20 or 25 mm-hmm. but uh, the numbers restrict that. But, Nate, you think about some of the guys we've seen at these events just in two years. Uh, the very first year we were in St. Louis, Monte Harrison was there, uh, Tanner Farmer, and particularly Farmer. You know, he was an unknown commodity. And by the end of the camp, they were like, wow. And he had really no offers at that point and blew up. And so that's what it can do. I, I even think that same year Mick Stoltenberg went down there and he really impressed and earned a, a number of offers. Yeah, we, we had no idea what Mick Stoltenberg was, was going to do uh, down there. And 
I mean, we knew that he looked like a, a physical specimen, but, you know, going down and, and playing against the, the top, you know, some of the top competition in the region, uh, you really didn't know what to expect, and, and he really impressed. And you mentioned Tanner Farmer. You know, he walked into that camp without an offer to his name, and nobody really knew who the guy was. And he went down there and absolutely dominated everybody, ended up winning the offensive line MVP for the camp. Uh, you know, and within a couple of days of the camp, he had a handful of offers. Uh, within a week of the camp, Nebraska had offered, and um, you know, three weeks later, he's on campus and, and committed to the Huskers. So things moved pretty fast. And of course, Monte Harrison, who's, who I say is probably the, the the best athlete I've ever seen in person, uh, just put on a clinic uh, a couple years ago down there. And um, you know, the number one rated wide receiver in the country was there at the time, and I think everyone was kind of waiting to see what he was going to do. Alan Lazard out of, out of Iowa. And, Monte Harrison came in there and was by far and away the best wide receiver at the camp. And that's what this camp does. It gets all the guys on the same dance floor. And college coaches would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to, to be able to see this stuff. I mean, they, they would love to see all these guys. They can't go. They used to be able to go to the Nike camps and camps like this. Oh, I don't know what the last year would have been, 2006 or seven. Then they put a, a stop on that because of contact rules and the bump rules and said and things like that. They, they they can't really monitor. So the college coaches get a lot even out of the film and the reports that come out of this. Um, as for the Nebraska kids, Nate, that will be here, um, Jared Bubak, the Husker commit, will not be in. Um, he's really the only high high profile guy that's not going to be there this weekend. Um, Nick Lenners, though, Kansas State commit out of Lincoln Southwest, will be there. Joshua Manchikai, a defensive back out of Papio South, uh, currently has a South Dakota State offer. Iowa State and a number of others are, are very close to offering him. Noah Fant, who may be the number one prospect in the state. It's hard to say at this point, but he has seven or eight Division One offers from Omaha South. He will be there. Nebraska has offered Jacob Matthew, a young man out of Miller North, who's kind of a hybrid fullback, linebacker, H-back type guy. He can play defensive end even if he really grows more. He has a South Dakota State offer. He will be there. Ben Stilley from Ashland Greenwood. Um, and he's a guy both Nate and I are very impressed with. Um, he's a 6'4", 230-pound tight end D end. Ohio, South Dakota State, and Wyoming have offered him. Uh, Martez Prather, a running back out of Lincoln Southeast, um, has some academic issues. Other, if he didn't, I think Nebraska may have offered this kid by now. So he's he's one I'm very excited to see. David Engelhop out of Norfolk Catholic, another 6'4", 230-pound hybrid type guy will be there. Uh, Connor Pavlik, an offensive lineman out of Omaha Central. Uh, will be at the camp. Cade Johnson, the brother of C.J. Johnson, the son of former Husker Cluster Johnson, a wide receiver, currently has a South Dakota State offer. And South Dakota just offered. And South Dakota just offered him as well. And then Jack Domandel also has, a, I believe, a South Dakota State offer, uh, an offensive lineman who I think is on the radar for Nebraska yeah, when, no when, when you look at their needs. Those are the 2016 local kids. As far as the underclassmen, uh, Brett Kittrell, um, somebody that Nate and I and Greg were very impressed with. Um, he's coming off a knee injury, Nate, but he'll be there and is just kind of taking the scene. But, you know, I would say the Nebraska eventually all got this kid are pretty good. You know, Brett Cottrell is, you know, one of the other guys that's, a, a, again, a kind of a physical specimen. He passes the eye test, and then you, you put the film on. For a sophomore uh, to dominate the way that he does is very impressive. Uh, and had he not had any injury, I think that they, you know, you know, really well down at the camp. Well, well, uh, limited. Be kind of for him to kind of see, you know, uh, how he stacks up against 
competition, kind of get a feel for for what the camp is like and everything. And uh, you know, you you go back to a couple of these guys, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Ben Stilley. He's he's a guy that I think could really emerge out of this camp. He could be, you know, maybe the next Mick Stoltenberg, you know, to come out of the state, go down there, and really turn a lot of heads because uh, you know, playing the C one competition. I think sometimes uh, he may be getting overlooked by some programs. Now he's he's picked up a couple offers, but I think that he's a guy who could be poised uh, for, to have a great camp. Yeah, other guys in that underclassman group, uh, Noah Vedrill, the quarterback at Oahu Bishop Newman, son of former Husker Mike Vedrill, the great Vedrill family, the three brothers that all played in Nebraska. Then he's also um, the nephew of former Husker quarterback Matt Terman. His mother is Matt Terman's sister. Uh, so he, he's a kid to watch for the future. Uh, Tyler Couric uh, from Bellevue West, uh, pretty good chance he'll be there. We don't have him 100% confirmed, but uh, he's another underclassman. So a pretty good group of Nebraska kids. I mean, really all of them will be Division One or FCS recruits when it's all said and done. Uh, this past weekend we had our Rivals.com quarterback challenge, and that was in Cincinnati. Uh, there were four quarterbacks that took part in that. I mentioned Noah Vedrill already. He was the underclassman. Alec Cromer from Beatrice, Jaden Kolowski from Bellevue West, Christian Ellsworth from Grand Island Northwest. A, a very good group of pro-style Nebraska quarterbacks. Alec Cromer made the finals, uh, looked very good down in Cincinnati. Um, you know, they, He's obviously got some mechanical and some footwork things that the, they say he needs to improve on, but that's pretty much every kid outside of kids that work with Bob Johnson and these quarterback gurus year-round. Yeah, Cromer is a guy that that's very intriguing. I mean, all these guys really they kind of buck the trend uh, in terms of you know pro style quarterbacks coming out of Nebraska. It's not something that you see very often. But yeah, Cromer is a raw athlete, uh, has great size, six five, you know, two hundred and fifteen. Six six. Yeah, six six. You know, um, two hundred fifteen pounds or so. Extremely strong arm, and really hadn't played a whole lot of football until just you know a year or two ago. He was mainly a basketball guy, but he's I mean just a terrific athlete. I think he's a hundred and fifty. Five foot plus in the discus and all uh, state in basketball all state basketball i mean just a tremendous athlete punter yeah punter very strong arm uh and then uh you know Jaden Kolowski, of course, you know, setting all sorts of records there at Bellevue West. And, and he, you know, went went to the camp impressed. Uh, I think that his arm strength is what, what caught some people's attention. Maybe, uh, you know, from what you saw on film, it was stronger than, than some had, had anticipated. But uh, by and large, you know, impressive showing by those Nebraska quarterbacks. Both South Dakota State and North Dakota State uh, were in uh, Nebraska this week to watch those two guys work out. Uh, Christian Ellsworth from Grand Island Northwest somewhat still I mean he, he gets a lot of press it's hard to know um, who is really close on offering him uh, I talked with Christian a little bit this week and he said Kansas State uh, wants to come watch him work out uh, so that will be interesting to see where, where things go with him but all in all uh, an impressive group Nate before we wrap things up here other names from the Missouri's and the Illinois and in other surrounding states that will be in St. Louis this weekend uh, that will have your eye uh, definitely a handful of names to, to keep an eye on. Jojo Doman is a linebacker out of Colorado, is going to be there. Uh, Nebraska has offered. He was one of the first guys that they went to see uh, in this spring evaluation period. And he's the former teammate of Avery Anderson, who's currently on campus uh, as an incoming freshman, went through spring ball. So that's a player to keep an eye on. I, I think that he's going to do extremely well in these drills. Uh, his, his pass coverage skills are tremendous. So I think he's going to have a, a great chance to impress. Uh, some Kansas guys, Isaiah Simmons is a, is a DB linebacker out of Olathe North. Uh, he just recently said that Nebraska 
is among the schools recruiting him the hardest. Uh, he's 6'3", you know, 200-pound, very physical uh, specimen. Xavier Kelly is maybe the hottest recruit in the entire country out of, out of Wichita East. A def- I'm excited player. to see him. Yeah, 6'5", 235 pounds, extremely explosive, and a basketball player. And this is a player that, that kind of, you know, had about five or six offers and then over the last month or two has just exploded. Uh, he's got 26 offers right now, just picked up uh, Alabama, Florida State. Uh, I mean, just you name it, and, and pretty much everybody has offered recently. So he's going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, Javon McQuitty is a, a 2017 wide receiver out of Columbia, Missouri, that Nebraska offered uh, at the spring game. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think that he's kind of an under-the-radar guy as, as of right now. But, I, I, you know, after watching his film, I think that he's He won't be impress. under much longer. No, not, not much longer. Well, it should be an exciting weekend. Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com starting Sunday as we'll have complete coverage from the RCS camp in St. Louis when we come back in the program. We'll talk more recruiting storylines, but this time we're going to shift over to the Big Ten versus the SEC. Things are really heating up off the field between these two leagues as Commissioner Jim Delaney fired back this week. That's next here on the HOL Podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and now we bring in Robin Washett and Dan Hoppin as we shift the focus over to kind of what's become the cold war of college football, the the war of words, uh, the SEC versus the Big Ten. And this all kind of obviously started uh, first with Alabama getting beat by Ohio State in the college football playoff. Then Auburn got beat by Wisconsin in the Outback Bowl. Then the Big Ten hires Jim Harbaugh. Um, it, it just made some great theater here over the offseason uh, for Big Ten fans. And and now things have obviously gotten real interesting. We talked about this a little bit last week about the satellite camps and uh, just what these camps are and, and, and kind of what they've done. Uh, the Big Ten's allowed to run these satellite camps around the country. Uh, Michigan's going to do a full nationwide tour. Nebraska's going to do a full nationwide tour of six camps and six cities where they're going to basically travel 6,000 miles over a week. Um, so, it, you know, they're, they're going full bore on these satellite camps where the SEC does not allow um, these satellite camps. And finally, Commissioner Jim Delaney, guys, made his comments uh, about the camps as the SEC folk, folks have been very upset. Uh, Delaney's comment was, um, you know, as, as far as the SEC goes, is they need to worry about other things than satellite camps. He felt like there are other recruiting practices within the SEC that are much bigger issues than college coaches going out of state to, to work football camps. Yeah, I, I thought it was refreshing to see the first time, you know, in a while that Jim Delaney has said something that I agree with, uh, you know, after this whole freshman ineligibility thing. Uh, that's a different story for a different day. But uh, I think a lot of, you know, especially people around here and in Big Ten country were in full support of what Jim Delaney was saying, that uh, if this is what you're coming at the Big Ten with, uh, the SEC needs to take a look in the mirror because there are a lot worse things that, uh, you know, quote unquote, reportedly they're doing uh, that uh, should be addressed a, a lot uh, sooner than what they're doing with the satellite camps. Yeah, apparently Delaney said that, you know, any national discussion involving satellite camps also needs to take a look at things like oversigning, gray exactly. shirting and flipping recruits. I would say that those are probably, you know, more pressing and more important issues than satellite camps, you know, on the scale of recruiting evils satellite camps feels pretty low on that list he should have dropped in bags of cash <laughs> cars 
jobs for parents, jobs for high school coaches, etc. Yeah. He, he didn't do that, obviously, but that, that would have been pretty funny if he did troll that. Nate, any comments on, on your end on, on just kind of where, where you think this is going to go? I mean, do you see the NCAA being able to legislate this where maybe you can't have your whole staff out, maybe you can only have two or three guys versus 23 like Nebraska is going to be sending out to these camps. Well, that's what's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years because it's something's definitely going to change because you've got the SEC who's coming. ACC's in, mad. ACC's mad. And, and I would not – I mean, I would expect to see another Power 5 conference come out and say, hey, you know, like maybe the Pac-12, we don't we don't want to support these. We're, we're not about this. And, you know, all of a sudden when you've got three Power 5 conferences, you know, uh, against it, something's going to change. And right now there is a little bit of a loophole for, for teams like Nebraska or Michigan or whoever to, to take advantage. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the NCAA kind of close that up here in the next year or two. Because don't you, Nate, have to kind of have a, a stronger brand to, to be able to pull this? off if, if you're I'm, I'm just trying to think of a, a lower tier team like if you're Purdue you're, you're not going to be able to to pull off a very big time satellite camp schedule no see what you've got to do is you you have to pair with a smaller school in a, in a talent rich state so for instance in Atlanta what Penn State and what Nebraska are doing is they're, they're pairing up with Georgia State Valdosta State uh, to to run these satellite camps. So Valdosta State is kind of benefiting here because they're being able to use the Nebraska brand, the Penn State brand, to get all these kids to their campus. And they make money. And they make money off of it. So not only are they able to evaluate talent, uh, they're making money. Nebraska and Penn State, they don't they don't uh, make any money off of these. They use it strictly to to get their brand out in front of you know these kids and and to try and create a presence in an area that they want to recruit and of course evaluate. So uh, it's kind of a win-win when you look at it like that. Now, like you mentioned, Purdue, or, you know, or, or if uh, you know a Mac school wanted, you know, approached Valdosta State about doing this, I don't see that happening. No, no, it's it's definitely uh, in favor of the big boys, and really the rule I think to allow coaches out on the road. What the point of it is is like you go to like like Camp Michigan or Ohio State now. They'll have the entire school, every Mac school will have a coach working that camp because Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh is not worried about Lulu player here, Mac team. That, that, I think that's the point of allowing coaches out on the road uh, to work these events. And I don't think anybody really thought you'd see what was going on, but you know, you got to take advantage of it. And, and Mike Riley's been doing it for years. Uh, you're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, Dan Hoppen. Uh, we're talking Big Ten SEC Cold War offseason stuff here. And uh, the NCAA, uh, Nate, did crack down this week uh, on the bump rule. And this has kind of always been the wink, wink, it's a rule, but it's not a rule. And, and what the bump rule basically is is, during this time of year, when coaches go into schools, they cannot perform full sit-down meetings with prospects. It's basically all you can do is say, hi, I'm Coach Smith, nice to meet you, and that's it. And for many, many, many years, uh, a lot more has happened, and, and the NCAA is trying to finally crack down on that. Yeah, I'd say 90% of coaches you know, break the bump rule in, in one way or another, or at least once during the evaluation period. And like you said, you're, you're not able to arrange a meeting. You're not able to have an extended conversation aside from more of an introduction. And, uh, but it takes place every day. And, and what's interesting is the other day at a IMG Academy, which is you know, one of the more talent-rich schools. It's like the Oak Hill Academy it, for college exactly. football. Exactly. Down in Bradenton, Florida, uh, there was a handful of, of coaches down down there and at practice they were 
breaking the bump rule and talking to these players, having extended conversations. And there were some NCAA officials who were in disguise acting like parents, players' parents at practice, but they were observing these coaches. And so at least five coaches were uh, were cited with secondary violations for breaking the bump rule. So it's the first time that I've ever really heard of the NCAA pulling off some sort of sting operation to, to catch people breaking the bump rule. But uh, now you better believe that, that some of these coaches are going to be second-guessing you know, wh- what they're doing and where they're doing it. Hey, Sean, I'm going to kind of change, go back to, you know, that satellite camp issue here. And, you know, you guys, Nate, you can probably add to this too, but you guys are talking about, you know, the, the NCAA eventually cracking down on these things and, you know, with, you know, three of the five power five uh, conferences, you know, saying we don't want this anymore. Okay. So what, what's the next uh, step or what are ways that the big 10 and uh, big 12 can counter uh, these, these, if they, if they were to get rid of satellite camps, like what other things can be done to, you know, help uh, kind of even the playing field on the recruiting front? Earlier official visits. No doubt. Earlier official visits, um, you know, allowing these juniors to start taking visits during the spring right pay now. Pay for parents to go on Pay visits. for parents. I mean, those are the two biggest things that, that schools like the Big Ten that are away from the, these talent-rich areas can do to, to help get kids on campus. Because the one thing that, that these satellite camps does is pretty much takes an unofficial visit to the kid. It allows your, your, your coaching staff to get in front of the kid, get to establish a relationship with those guys. So I, I I think, you know, being able to pay for those kids to come up, being able to pay for a parent to come up earlier would be, you know, one way the Big Ten could fight back. So do you guys see um, this discussion and kind of these arguments that the different conferences are having? Do you see some kind of a negotiation coming up where we might see some of the different conferences come to the table and say, all right, you got to get rid of satellite camps, but then the Big Ten and Big 12 come it's back? It's got to come and- to a vote. Okay. Um, so they have to agree on some sort of legislation that will go to a vote, mm-hmm. and that's where the problem is going to come because um, they're not going to really agree on, you know, the NCAA and the rules committee and everyone has to sit down, but the official visit one is big time because Mm -hmm. you're, you're essentially having 75 to 80% of kids commit by July 1st, like, you know, three star, four star, five star guys. And you're not allowing them to take their paid visits though until September 1st. Uh, There's something wrong with that rule. These kids are supposed to make life-changing decisions, but they're not allowed to have paid visits to make them. Um, and, and that is what, to me, has to be addressed uh, when you look at some of the things going forward. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the number of, of signees that come out of states like California, Texas, Georgia, Florida. I mean, you're talking 300-plus Division One guys coming out of those states, and they're committing before they can even take an official visit. That's a huge disadvantage. Because of pressure. Because of pressure. They're, and that's a huge disadvantage for the Big Ten and a huge advantage for, for you know teams like the SEC that are right in the middle of these, of these places. A lot of kids want to come up here, but they don't have – the time to, I mean, they're or the for means. are the means they're not allowed to take that free visit uh, when they're given the chance. So it's definitely something I'm sure we'll spend many, many more podcasts uh, debating uh, the NCAA recruiting rules going forward. We come back here on the program. We will shift back over and we'll talk Husker basketball with Robin Washett and Dan Hoppen and get the latest on kind of what's happening on the college basketball waiver wire. That's next here on the HOL podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
And the waiver wire in college basketball continues to move. Welcome back to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Dan Hoppin as uh, we kind of look where things go with the roster uh, for Nebraska basketball, Robin. And are, are they, I mean, kind of give us an idea of, of what happened this past week. I, I know they're still looking at guys, they're still offering guys, they're still interested in a few different transfer options. Are they getting closer to maybe finding somebody? Well, uh, the guy that's probably the closest to making a decision one way or another is Anton Gill, the uh, guard from Louisville uh, who's transferring. Uh, Nebraska had him on campus for an official visit from Thursday to Saturday. And uh, when I talked to him uh, after the visit, uh, it seemed like everything went about as well as you could ask for. And uh, one of Tim Miles's, you know, biggest selling points just happened to be one of the, the main things Gill is looking for in his next school. And that's the opportunity to come in and be the guy right away uh, when he's eligible uh, after sitting out next season. So uh, Nebraska certainly provides that opportunity. And Tim Miles made it no secret. In fact, uh, you know, he told him, he said, uh, if I didn't think you could come in here and average 18 points a game you wouldn't be here on a visit right now this is a graduate transfer no he's a traditional transfer so he will have to sit out next season but this is a force former four-star top 50 uh player in the 2013 class that uh was in the 13 overall shooting guard uh coming out of his class so i mean the the kid's legit and for whatever reason he was just never able to uh do anything at louisville and you know it kind of brings up a lot of uh, familiarity with uh, andrew wright uh you know a guy that was really good you know same type of uh profile uh, profile as a recruit that uh, never saw the floor at Kansas. So, uh, you know, Nebraska has kind of built itself as a program that can provide kids like this an opportunity to not only get a clean slate, but uh, to play, you know, on, uh, in the, one of the best conferences in college basketball and uh, have an opportunity to really kind of get your great arena, yeah, great facilities. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot to offer, especially like Tim Miles is pushing uh, the opportunity for playing time. Well, how important is that, Robin, for, you know, to have a guy like a Turan Pedway where you have that example, you can say, you know, look, a guy like you came in here and we took him from he was basically nothing at Texas Tech and we made him into, you know, uh, an all Big Ten performer. How much weight does that carry with these kids? It's huge. And, that, you know, that was what he mentioned when I talked to Gil. He's like, I mean, I look at Taran Petaway and what he was able to do. I mean, uh, and then there was a reason they paired him, uh, Gil, up with uh, Andrew White, you know, as kind of his host, uh, player host for the visit. I mean, uh, they're, they're really pushing this idea that, you know, Nebraska offers guys like that an opportunity to really, uh, you know, g- get to where they wanted to be, you know, initially coming out of high school. And, I, like, again, with, with all the resources and, you know, all the benefits that, uh, this program has i mean it's a pretty strong selling point and guys are taking notice you're listening to the huskeronline.com podcast we're talking husker basketball with robin washett and dan hoppin as nebraska still has some scholarship spots to fill they also still have a assistant coaching position to fill uh, with chris harriman now at new mexico robin do you sense there's any real urgency uh, i know the live evaluation period is basically starting up here mm-hmm. in april um, so ideally, you'd probably like to have a guy in place to, to be out on the road. Yeah, it's funny because uh, r- really the, the April evaluation period is over. Uh, it was it ended this past weekend, so uh, th- there really is not a, a crunch for time to, to get a guy hired. In fact, the next live period isn't until July. So I w- honestly w- would expect Tim Miles to really take his time on this, and I don't even think he's you know truly started the the 
kind of uh, the process of looking at resumes and kind of evaluating uh, different potential candidates uh, just because really there's there's not a need right now. You know, I mean, they were able to get by uh, for April, which is an important month, but not nearly as important as July. I mean, you got to have a guy in place for, for those July tournaments because there's, I think, two uh, live periods, you know, one in the middle and then one in the very end. And that's a big one. So uh, I would expect to, you know, that they're going to probably in this next month or so and really kind of go through and uh, kind of narrow down uh, the pool of candidates. And I, I would expect to have something done uh, by June at the latest, uh, you know, probably by mid-June. But uh, again, uh, you know, I don't think Tim Miles is, is in any hurry. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the things he said in his press conference a while back was uh, an old saying that someone told him. He's like, uh, be quick to fire and slow to hire. So I think he's going to go through this and, uh, you know, really be uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, detailed and, you know, find the right guy that's going to, you know, not only, uh, you know, being help him on the recruiting front, but provide some fresh ideas uh, in, as far as exes go. Now, Robin, a couple days ago, you reported um, that Turan Petaway, he's signed with an NBA agent, uh, Alex Saratsis, if I'm saying that right, yeah, I think. That's how I'd say it. Okay. Uh, this, this is a guy who also reps Rudy Gay and the Greek freak from Milwaukee, uh, Giannis Atetokounmpo. Nice. I'm an NBA guy. <laughs> I have to know this. Probably the only guy here that could pronounce that name. Good job. Good job. <laughs> but uh, but those, are, those are big names right there. I mean, what does this, you know, what does this mean for Petway? You know, I, I know you probably don't have a huge agent breakdown for right, us here, right. but I'm assuming this is a good sign that he's signing with a guy who's repping these high caliber type of players. Well, yeah, and it's encouraging, you know, the fact that he's just not like hiring his cousin to, you know, help him do this or something. <laughs> My like, uncle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's got a legitimate, reputable guy that is, you know, obviously that has, you know, all-star caliber players on his client list. So, uh, obviously this agent, you know, thinks highly enough of Petaway to potentially be uh, a good enough pro prospect to, you know, at least be worth his time. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think it's, it, it, one of the main things he needed to do, you know, as soon as he made that uh, decision to officially declare for the draft was to hire an agent. Because you don't have to, and then you can come back, right? Right, right. And so uh, what what he needs to do, do now is have that agent, you know, not only push him for NBA, but, you know, also get his name out there and start talking to international leagues because uh, the timetable to get uh, play for international teams is a lot earlier than it is for the NBA. You know, the, the NBA has a whole summer's worth of, you know, tryouts. And even if you don't get drafted, you know, you can obviously try and join on as an undrafted rookie and, you you know, play in those uh, off-season leagues. Well, international guys, you know, they only have a certain amount of Americans they can take. And so what you want to do is uh, get those conversations started and, you know, get uh, – sometimes they want you to be there, uh, you know – even even right after the draft you know so it's it's good that he's got that you know big step out of the way and we'll kind of see what happens from there plenty to follow still with husker basketball make sure you follow robin and dan's work uh, and robin will have all the uh, the coverage of the transfers and the coaching news on husker online when we come back on the program we'll shift over to husker baseball where the huskers hopefully can get on track on the road in big 10 play that's next here on the hol podcast This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back to the HOL podcast. Sean Callahan now and Dan Hoppen as we talk Husker baseball as the Big Red can hopefully get their first Big Ten road win of the season, Dan. And it's crazy to, to say this because you, you look at Nebraska's strength of schedule, their RPI I think was number 12 on Warren Nolan, and yet there, there's some projections of them not getting in uh, the Huskers, 
Uh, we'll start first, though, on this Creighton win. The Huskers were able to get a win uh, on Tuesday, a 7-6 victory over Creighton at TD Ameritrade Park. Over 10,000 people uh, were at the game, and they started out down in the hole. They were able to come back and, and really show a, a lot of fight, Dan, when, when you look at what this team overcame, uh, being swept at Iowa, being down, was it 3 nothing against Creighton? In the second inning, yeah. To come back in that fashion. Yeah, and I think you saw it after the game. I mean, Darren Erstad was actually pretty emotional just with how proud he was of the guys. I mean, you could tell this win was it was good, you know, to put a win in the in the record column and everything. I think it was a lot bigger mentally, though. You know, like you mentioned, Nebraska had such a tough weekend to Iowa, um, lost a couple one run games, won an extra innings, and then just didn't really have any fight um, on Sunday, losing five to one. So when they came out against Creighton. Had a couple wild pitches in the second inning, got down three nothing. You just kind of had that feeling like, huh? Well, you know, here we go again. But then Nebraska, which has struggled so much to get that clutch hit, gets a two out, two RBI single from Jake Schleppenbach in the uh, in the top of the eighth inning. That might be the kind of hit that can turn things around. Sometimes, you know, you just see um, a guy make that clutch play that Nebraska has come up empty on so many times in a row. Maybe that's something that gets these guys some confidence and gets them going, and that's what they need going into this final stretch here. And you look, Dan, at what they've done in Big Ten, but they've arguably played the toughest schedule. Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, and Ohio State. All of those teams would be in the Big Ten tournament right now. I mean, they're they're all top eight teams in the league uh, when you break down the numbers. Now, finally, Nebraska is going to see a lower division team this weekend in Northwestern, uh, that game in Evanston, but – you know, we we've seen that ballpark. I mean, it, it's basically like <laughs> ballpark. A, it's little league field. <laughs> it's like the field I played my games on in South Omaha. I think when I was a kid, uh, there's no press box. I mean, it's it's a very very small setup stadium where it's not really like going on the road. No, it, it's going to be a very different atmosphere than Nebraska's had lately. Obviously, you know, they've been reeling in crowds of around four thousand at Haymarket Park. Uh, you mentioned there was just a big crowd on hand on Tuesday for the Creighton game. Well, now you go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. 400 people, 300 people. Maybe. I mean, there have been games this year where Northwestern's had fewer than 200 people. So you're going to, you know, if you're in Nebraska, you shouldn't need any kind of motivation because, you know, like we're going to talk about, their backs are kind of against the wall for making the postseason. But, you know, you're not going to have a big crowd to get you fired up or anything. It's kind of going to be like – the Baltimore-Chicago um, professional game this week where there were no fans in the stands. You're going to have to find your own motivation to get going. And, you know, like I said, Nebraska shouldn't have any problem with that. Nebraska's 6-9 and nine in the Big Ten, and I think that's the issue. It's not their RPI. It's not their strength of schedule. Uh, Nebraska right now ranked 12th in the RPI. Um, the Big Ten, though, overall has six teams in the RPI top 31, which is incredible. Um, it really is. You know, I tweeted this uh, earlier in the week, Dan. The Big Ten has passed the Big 12 in overall conference RPI rankings. The Big Ten is now the number five league in RPI. The Big 12 is now the sixth league. And, and you know, when we first started covering Big Ten baseball with Nebraska, Dan, I mean, the, the RPI of the league was like, what, 15, 14, Oh, it 12. was awful. I mean, it was like – It was the, behind the Big East. Yeah, it was – Which a, is awful. You know, it's amazing uh, the turnaround this league has made in uh, the computer rankings. And as we know, though, with anything, computers don't mm -hmm. solve the They're problems. They're not perfect, yeah. yeah. But it's it's impressive. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, obviously adding Nebraska and Maryland, who over the last couple of years have been some of the better teams in the Big Ten, Maryland just coming in this year, that's helped out a lot. But you look at some of these teams, like in Illinois, they've really risen up the last couple of years. They're a seed right now. They're a top eight seed. Oh, they've been tremendous 
all season long. Iowa's going to probably host right now. Yes, uh, Ohio State might have a chance. Maryland might have a chance. Michigan and Michigan State have both been good. And, you know, Darren kind of talked about this last week. He said, you know, they used Nebraska used to go scout some of these high school kids that they wanted to see, at, you know, early in the season. You know, kind of sometimes in remote areas, they'd be going and seeing freshmen and sophomore guys in high school because you got to get on guys early while recruiting. And the Nebraska coaches would be there pretty much by them themselves. Well, that's not the case anymore. Now they're starting to see coaches from these, these schools, you know, watching these prospects earlier. Other schools are getting more aggressive in recruiting. They're starting to figure stuff out. And I think that's why you've seen the overall talent level rise in this conference to where, you know, this I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think these teams can keep this up, and you know maybe they're starting to find some kind of a recipe here for some of these northern schools to kind of make more of an impact than they have in the past. But I think this week it caught a lot of people's attention. Even with the RPI, Nebraska was not in the field, according to Kendall Rogers of D1Baseball.com, a former colleague of ours here at Rivals.com. It does incredible work. It does incredible baseball coverage work, uh, probably the best in the business. Mm -hmm. uh, has Nebraska out, and in some ways I'm thinking Darren Erstead maybe uh, slipped him a little cash to, to, to keep his team out, to give his guys some motivation, <laughs> because I think the, the players – needed that right now they they they're not in yet and they need there's there's three more big 10 series to go dan and they've got to come out of that with whether it's six or seven wins i mean it's, it's got to be a respectable number oh yeah and i i think you know some people might look at these next two weekends you look at northwestern who's third to last in the big 10 and purdue's last in the big 10 and say okay you know maybe we can let our foot off the gas pedal a little bit no Nebraska needs five or five, six. Yeah, five, potentially even six wins out of these next two weekends to build that win total up a little bit. Because going to Illinois on that last weekend is not going to be easy. That's going to be a very tough test. So, you know, Nebraska can't go out this weekend and drop two against Northwestern. You know, that, that kind of thing, I'm not saying it, it's a death knell, but it would be close. You know, you, you have to put some wins together. You can't have any more losses against bad teams. Um, you've got to get that that conference record at least closer to 500, uh, or else, yeah. Regardless of what their RPI is, like you said, you know that's just a computer ranking. It you can use it, but you can't rely on it solely. Just like the BCS in football, exactly. You get rid of it and add the human element mm -hmm. element to it. Mm -hmm. So you know, like Kendall Rogers, nobody's smarter about college baseball than Kendall Rogers, and he said he loves Nebraska's talent. He thinks Nebraska, you know, definitely could make a run if they do make a regional. But right now, he he just said they don't have the resume. They haven't done enough. It should be interesting. Uh, Friday's game at three oh five, and then Saturday and Sunday both one oh five games. Dan will have full coverage on Husker Online. We'll close the show next with Nate Klaus as we talk more recruiting storylines here on the HOL podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It'll be a busy recruiting weekend. We talked earlier in the show about the Rivals.com camp. Uh, the Unarmor camp in St. Louis will be at the camp all weekend. Sean Callahan back here with Nate Klaus. Uh, Nate will be traveling down to St. Louis, as will Greg Peterson. So uh, look for the full coverage uh, from St. Louis this weekend, Nate. But still, we're in the, the, the heat of the spring evaluation period. Nebraska's coaches will be out on the road for really the next three weeks. I mean, I, I'd imagine they're done by Memorial Day, but they could technically still go out the week after Memorial Day, right? Yeah, they can stay out the entire time, but like you said, I, I think they'll probably wrap it up here, uh, probably you know by Memorial Day. I'm sure it's an early Memorial Day this year. I believe a Memorial Day weekend is like the 23rd or 24th um, of May, so 
there will technically be one more week after this year in, in May that they can get out and, and, and see guys, uh, but most schools will be done by that point. Yeah, Nebraska went out uh, right when the evaluation period started on April 15th, and I would be shocked if they, you know, didn't use up their allotted evaluations by that time. Do you, I mean, do teams use all of them? I mean, are, are, is that the goal to try to burn through all that? Uh, I mean, every possible day you can be out. I don't know the exact data on that, but I mean, I would be shocked if if you didn't. If you didn't use the maximum allotted evaluations, uh, they would be wasted. It would be wasted opportunity, in my opinion. So uh, I think that probably is the goal of every staff is to 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 be as efficient and maximize as many evaluations as you're allotted. And coaches get the one phone call um, just from your read from talking to prospects through social media or text or even on the phone. Uh, I mean, have you noticed Nebraska burning that one phone call quite a bit yet? Are they kind of holding on to those for some of their key guys for later in the month? It seems like Nebraska is kind of holding on to those phone calls for later on in the month. And and that's generally the you know what we see across the board. I think for the most part, a lot of schools want to be able to get into the school, uh, let the let the prospect know, A, they have an offer, or, or B, we're really interested in you and we've stopped by your school once or twice. And, and then, you know, now that they have that little bit of a relationship, relationship going or, or uh, relationship established, um, then they reach out with that phone call and, and really kind of, I guess, transition, you know, or take that recruitment to the next level by, um, you know, talking on the phone and, and having more contact that way. Well, and Twitter really has changed the game because of the DM. Now, 2016 prospects can DM back and forth with coaches. Uh, 2017 prospects, uh, coaches are not allowed to respond. I saw Tim Beck, a former Nebraska offensive coordinator now at Ohio State, he actually made a tweet of reminding prospects that he's not allowed to comment um, back on DMs to 2017 recruits. It's kind of hard, you know. The coaches are limited in their contact that they can have with with 2017 prospects. Now you can go to the school and evaluate those guys uh, right now, but you can't really have a whole lot of contact with them, whether it be you know through uh, social media. Can you invite them in for unofficial even? Yeah, you can invite them in for an unofficial. I mean, we've seen Nebraska do that with Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Darnay Holmes, you know, two of the top players in that 2017 class in the country. Uh, but in terms of you know just the the level of communication that you can have with those players, it really is pretty limited for the coaching staff, and it, it's good for the the kids to know that hey, it's the coaches aren't ignoring me; they just they can't respond or they can't really reach out right now. Nebraska still sitting uh, with the three commitments, but all of those were commitments already on board before Mike Riley was hired. And naturally, this time of year, and we've been doing this Nate 10, 15 years covering Nebraska recruiting and and how it works. Um, this is the time of year where Nebraska sometimes can go, in a, not a lull, but a slow point where the commits don't really pile in. When is it a concern to you uh, on the commit number where you want to, I mean, when, when did you kind of say, all right, let's maybe get a couple more commits in the bag here to kind of get some momentum going. Well, yeah, that, that's been a level of, uh, or a talking point, I guess, for a lot of fans right now is when's Mike Riley and his staff going to get a commitment? They, they don't have any of their own commitments yet. They've had a lot of players on campus, you know, when's this going to happen? You know, well, I'm not hitting the, the panic button just yet. If now, if they go through the evaluation period, through their, their camp schedule with the big, red weekends and everything and they don't get any then if, if they're sitting at three commitments by the middle of june and and it doesn't look like anyone's gonna you know come their way right you know right in that time period then it might be time to start worrying you know what are they what are the staff doing um you know are they approaching things the right way 
but the main reason why I'm not hitting the panic button is that I think people need to realize that they were kind of behind the eight ball here. They had to, to come into this to Nebraska, finish out a 2015 recruiting class, and then establish a relationship with all these 2016 players and, and lay the groundwork for these guys. And, and a lot of the players that are, you know, more highly touted guys that have, you know, 15, 20 offers, they're not going to commit right away. They're not going to commit as soon as they step on campus. So you, you got to put in your work and that's what we're seeing Nebraska do. And I think that they've been able to gain a little bit more traction out on the road. And, uh, and that's why I'm not, you know, hitting the panic button yet. I think that they'll, they'll, they'll land a commit or two here, I think by the end of May. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids within the 500 mile radius that they're pretty close on um, a couple guys in Colorado and they're targeting some kids in Kansas and Missouri. Those are the guys I would think that you want to com- that commit early because they're able to get and see your campus more. They can drive up here and see it where the kids from Florida or California, it's a little bit harder for them to commit sight unseen. Absolutely. What we're going to see is is some commitments come Nebraska's way from those 500-mile radius guys by July uh, at the latest, I, I think. We're going to see a handful of those guys uh, commit to Nebraska. You know, uh, a player like Isaiah Simmons out of out of Olathe North in, in that Kansas City area has said Nebraska is among the schools recruiting him the hardest. He's really liking Nebraska right now. Uh, Xavier Kelly is a highly rated guy, has 25 six offers or so uh, will be on campus again for big. Red he's a four star, right? Well, not yet, but he, he will be, he'll be, I'd be shocked if he's not a rivals 250 or a rivals 100 guy once a new rankings come out, but uh, he'll be on campus for his third time in about six months here um, come June. And, and that's a great sign from the, the old Philomation line. That's right. You get him there three times. You got to really mess it up, not to get you him. You got to screw it up, not to get him. And uh, you know, he has so many options that if, if Nebraska doesn't land, him it, it's not like they they screwed it up completely. well then you got jojo um jojo doman from colorado jack stoll jack stoll is coming back to camp you, there's a number of 500 mile radius guys that I, that I believe nebraska is sitting extremely well with right now that they're going to fall probably towards the huskers here in the next i month still have a good have. feeling about uh, farniak in south dakota too uh, I, I know he's, he's he plays he, it close to the vest he doesn't like oh, to say yeah. a whole lot but I'm telling you, I, I just think from his fa- family's perspective, all that driving to Ames and all that driving to Norman, um, it just makes a lot of sense for him to get this opportunity to go to Nebraska. Um, with you know, be a, be a, be a, I think he'd be a three-year-plus starter here at Nebraska. Uh, but just from the distance and the travel, uh, this is the closest school to Sioux Falls. It's a big-time program. He's probably been here five times. Easily been here five times. I, I think the the one thing you have to worry about or, or the biggest competition, I think, for Nebraska right now could be a, a school like a Stanford or, or a, Ohio State. An Ohio State, a, you know, a, either a high academic uh, school uh, like a Stanford. Notre Dame. Or like a Notre Dame. I, I think that's that could be something to sway him, you know, away from home, but, but definitely the, the distance uh, from Sioux Falls to Lincoln is uh, very appealing for him and his family right now. Yeah, that, that, that will be one to watch. He's definitely, for me, my number one 500-mile radius guy for Nebraska, and I'm sure for them as well. I mean, he's the most highly recruited player in the modern-day history of the state of South Dakota, and that's a guy that uh, you'd love to, to have at Nebraska. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Make sure you stick with the site. We'll have full coverage this weekend from the RCS camp in St. Louis. For Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, and Dan Hoppen, I'm Sean Callahan. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.